the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I am Seth Leapson. Welcome back. Thursday, June 23rd, 2022. We've got a lot to do today. We'll get to it. Let me give out the number 602-508-0960. And let me start with um, what the Supreme Court did today in an opinion written by Clarence Thomas uh, protecting yet again the Second Amendment. Let me Let me start with the story about this from National Public uh, Radio, if I might, NPR. Uh, it's Nina Totenberg. She's been their uh, veteran Supreme Court reporter or court reporter for generations now. Uh, I remember her going back to the uh, to the late 80s. Listen to how they write up the story, okay? So she is the dean. Actually, she is considered the dean of Supreme Court reporting. There, Every few years, someone... Is, gets the mantle for length of service in the journalistic industry, and they're considered, you know, the dean, like Bob Woodward is for politics at the Washington Post, I suppose. She's the dean when it comes to the Supreme Court reporting. In a landmark decision, she writes, in a landmark decision, the U.S. Supreme Court's conservative supermajority today declared that there is a constitutional right to carry a handgun in public for self-defense. Do you see how many errors are broadcast in that one sentence or how much bias is impact is in that one first lead sentence from the dean of Supreme Court reporting? I want to talk about journalistic bias for a moment, too. But think about this. In a landmark decision, the U.S. Supreme Court's conservative supermajority today declared there is a constitutional right to carry a handgun in public for self-defense. Supermajority. Conservative supermajority. First time I've ever seen that written about a majority in the Supreme Court. Keep that in mind. Don't brush it away. Usually you would hear or see reporters talk about a conservative majority. You would never, I have never seen supermajority before. Do you know why this is important? Do you know why I'm making an issue of this? I'm making an issue of this because the journalists and the Democrats are going to make an issue of this. You think court packing is gone? It isn't. It is not gone. You think talking about us as extremists is gone? It is not gone. Supermajority, conservative supermajority that is meant as a shibboleth, that is meant as a clang, that is meant as a message that the left and the Democrats are not going to be satisfied with the normal processes of government, which, as I have been saying for the last few days now, all come back to politics. You want an institution to rescue the ails that we, the ailments that we are taking, uh, that we are observing in front of us, whether it comes from the border, whether it comes to um, whether it comes to crime, whether it comes to voting integrity or irregularities or fraud, whether it comes to any issue. This is a matter of politics, and yes, indeed, it's true. The law as well. Why? Because the frame, the framers and our founders in their brilliance decided to have a separation of powers where each one was dependent on the other. And the independent judiciary, as we get tired of saying here, is independent, but but requires obviously a partisan appointment process or a partisan nomination process. So when you vote, 
think uh, you have to think about what you are voting for across all institutions. You're tired of the border situation. You have to vote Republican. That's the only way on a federal preemption in an issue where the feds have preempted the authority on it. It's the only way you're going to change it. It's the only way you can complain all you want about everything else. Roll up your sleeves, get busy and do the politics of it in the 90s. In the 90s, uh, after a string of liberal Supreme Court decisions, uh, the, uh, a group of conservative scholars over at First Things magazine that included some of the best and brightest, Robert Bork, Hadley Arcus, Robbie George, others, two out of those three are regular guests here, by the way, Bork having passed, uh, George and Arcus are. But they, they put together a symposium that, 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 that kind of shook the policy world, calling, um, calling the symposium the end of democracy. And the end of democracy was the way the Supreme Court was ruling in the 90s, in the 80s and in the 90s, against clearly constitutional laws that people had passed in, uh, in their various states through their very, various amendment processes and in their state legislatures. And they had to do with issues having to do with the uh, culture, marriage, race, affirmative action, you name it. And the Supreme Court was acting unrestrainedly liberal. So what is the solution? Did we ever propose packing the court? No. What was the solution? The solution was taking it seriously, getting the Federalist Society, getting the Heritage Foundation, getting these other conservative legal intellectual organizations to work part to work hand in glove with the Republican Party so that when Republicans would get elected, they would understand that most of our problems come from weak or unconstitutionally sound judges that have been appointed by Republicans and Democrats for far too long. Who got this better than anyone else? Donald Trump. This is why people vote were, who were conservative and said, quote, unquote, they had to hold their nose to vote for Donald Trump. That contingent, you all know one. If you're not one, you all know them. One of the reasons was the court because Trump made an issue of working with the Federalist Society and the Heritage Foundation to get us people like uh, to get us people like Amy Comey Barrett and uh, Neil Gorsuch and uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Some of them have been, you know, uneven allies. Some of them. But not two out of those three. Two out of those three are as good as anything uh, we got from Antonin Scalia, and it's as good as anything we got from Clarence Thomas. They just needed the help. Help was on the way, and help was delivered. And now the Second Amendment is being protected as the First Amendment is being protected. Finally, 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 it took years. It took a generation to do it, but we got it. The message here is don't let up on the politics. Don't let up on the politics and don't let up on holding people running for an executive position who have the appointment power, whether it's a governor or whether it's a president. Don't let up on holding their feet to the fire on this issue. The courts originally were supposed to be the least important branch, the least powerful branch of the separation of powers of the original constitutional scheme. Alexander Hamilton in Federalist 78 says exactly that. It is the least dangerous branch. Well, it has become the most potent of branches. And today, today, it is the only institution, it seems to me, the only institution protecting the Constitution. Interesting to me, too, that fencing has gone up around the Supreme Court. I don't know how many of you have ever visited it. I visited it several times. And I've never seen fencing. Fencing has gone up around the Supreme Court. Why? Why? Fencing has gone up around the Supreme Court to protect the Supreme Court. Why? Because of the left 
is why and because of abortion rights is why and because of the decision that's going to come down any day now on Roe versus Wade. And it's the same reason why Brett, why, uh, why, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, Sam Alito and uh, John Roberts and Clarence Thomas's houses have been protested in front of illegally to no Department of Justice action and why someone tried to assassinate a Supreme Court justice named Brett Kavanaugh, who to this day, to this day, Joe Biden, the president of the United States and Kamala Harris, the vice president of the United States, have said nothing about nothing. They have said nothing about an attempted assassination of a Supreme Court justice. And it's all about this one opinion that the left will not be able to handle. They will not be able to handle politics as usual. They will not be able to handle democratic processes. And the reason they won't be able to handle it is because they no longer see the conservative position on anything as a legitimate position. They have done in their own minds and an attempt on the rest of the minds of this country. See how Nina Totenberg wrote up today's decision on the Second Amendment. They have done in their own minds to the Republican Party what they have wished to do for many years now, and it's working which is associating the Republican Party with fascism. Do not forget this year, this very year, the chairman of the Democratic National Committee, the chairman, said the Republican Party is a party of fascists. They do that, then you can do anything you want to fascists, obviously. If you have a Supreme Court decision that's coming, uh, that, uh, that's coming from a fascist wing of the Supreme Court, then what can you do? Anything, it seems. The Department of Justice isn't doing anything about Jane's revenge and its threats of violence. The Department of Justice isn't doing anything about arresting protesters in front of Supreme Court justices' homes, which is illegal and a, and a violation of federal law. I don't even know if anyone's doing anything about the leak, the illegal leak of the Dobbs opinion in the first place. You know dang well, dang well you know that if a uh, if a uh, liberal opinion was coming out that would shake the rafters, I don't know, go back to the gay marriage decision if you want. And it was leaked ahead of time for political purposes by a conservative uh, justice's clerk or a conservative uh, employee of the Supreme Court. You know darn well it would take about 48 hours to have that person in cuffs. 48 hours. There are two rules in this country. There are two rules. And the shame of it is they're affecting now, an institution atop which is etched equal justice under law. Equal justice under law. That's what's etched into the front of the Supreme Court when you walk in. There is not equal justice under law. We are beginning to take some of it back. The Second Amendment decision that came out today from Clarence Thomas, thank God, is another example of it. And I'll share with you the contents of that decision when we come back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960, portions of which are brought to you by Cool Touch Air Conditioning, Heating, and Plumbing. 17 years in business, Cool Touch has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and has never received a complaint with the ROC. They are a great company. I have used them for years. I've used them for all of their services, and I just think Chris... Funk and his team are the absolute best. So does everyone I know who has used them. Check them out at CoolTouchAC.com for any air conditioning or plumbing needs you have right now. Repairs, inspections, service, replacements, new products. CoolTouchAC.com or give them a call at 623-734-1900. 
3-2. That's 623-734-1932. There's also another interesting Supreme Court case that came down today. It has to do with Miranda rights and suing of police officers. We'll cover that a little bit later as well. That Miranda thing is such an interesting, a lot of interesting stuff has come out of the Miranda decision. Um, but let me stick with the uh, Second Amendment case for a moment. It's called New York Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. It'll be known as the Bruin case or the Bruin decision, probably. And Charles Cook over at uh, at uh, National Review says it's not only the most important Second Amendment ruling since Heller, it is potentially the most important Second Amendment ruling in American history. Leave it to Clarence Thomas's opinion to walk us through tremendous history. But let me give you a little more Cook. For all the brouhaha, the question at hand in Bruin is straightforward. Can the state of New York require that applicants for gun carry permits demonstrate a special need for self-protection distinguishable from the rest of the general community? Or is New York obliged by the Constitution to offer a shall-issue regime of the sort that 43 other states have adopted? In other words, do you have to have a special circumstance be able to be able to carry a gun to defend yourself in New York? Or can anyone carry a gun in New York to defend themselves? By a 6-3 to three vote, the justices decided that the latter approach is what the Constitution requires. Clarence Thomas's majority opinion concluded, quote, Authorities must issue concealed carry licenses whenever applicants satisfy certain threshold requirements without granting licensing officials discretion to deny licenses based on a perceived lack of need or suit ability, close quote. While there is nothing illegal about America's existing state-level permitting systems, those systems may not be smokescreens for outright prohibition on equal protection or unacceptable delay. As Justice uh, Alito noted, this holding decides nothing about who may lawfully possess a firearm or the requirements that must be met to buy a gun, nor does it decide anything about the kinds of weapons that people may possess. It concludes solely that the exercise of other constitutional rights does not require individuals to demonstrate to the government officers some special need. In other words, no several classes of Second Amendment rights in this country. The Second Amendment right to carry arms in public for self-defense is no different than any other constitutional right. New York's pro, uh, New, New York's cause requirement, uh, Sam Alito wrote, violated the 14th Amendment by preventing law-abiding citizens with ordinary self-defense needs from exercising their right to keep and bear arms. To get to this position, the majority first determined that there's nothing in the Second Amendment's text that draws any kind of distinction about gun ownership for homes versus gun ownership or carrying a gun in public. That's an interesting one because that's what New York was trying to decide. It was trying to enforce. We understand the protection of your home, but once you go out into the street, that's a different question. Why is it a different question? It shouldn't be. We're not about just protecting property here. We're about protecting individual lives, aren't we? Indeed, to confine the right to bear arms to the home, Clarence to the home, Clarence Thomas wrote, would nullify half of the Second Amendment's operative protections. This, Thomas explained, would not do because the constitutional right to bear arms in public for self-defense is not a second-class right, subject to an entirely different body of rules than the other Bill of Rights guarantees. Next, the majority of the court examined the relevant history, and in its brief, the state of New York offered up three objections to the claim that broad gun carry rights have long historical pedigrees in the United States. 
Thomas took away all of that. The common law in question is primarily an English law that was passed in the 14th century, adopted by a lot of American colonies in the 17th. But as Thomas noted in what is a thorough and much-deserved takedown, even if one believed that the meaning of these old, ancient European statutes presented uh, constitutional uh, constraints in the United States, the plain text of even those pieces of languages from those early years in the 14th century and the 18th century, the language in even those statutes did not prohibit the carrying of arms per se. There is no evidence, the court concluded, indicating that common law limitations impaired the right of the general population to peaceably publicly carry. Now, if you listen to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, they're going to be talking all day and all next week about how the founders and the authors of the Second Amendment never intended for the kinds of weapons we see and never would have written what they wrote with the kind of weapons we see. This is not constitutional argument. This is not historical argument. The founders were very clear that when they were writing, for example, about the First Amendment, do you think they envisioned social media? Do you think they envisioned mass distribution of newspapers? Do you think they envisioned television? Do you think they envisioned talk radio? Do you think they envisioned faxing articles? Do you think they envisioned uh, grocery stores and open public forums at schools, mass school auditoriums? Did they envision any of that stuff? But the First Amendment applies equally so. It has nothing to do with the instrumentality. It has to do with the theory of constitutionalism, which doesn't change based on technology. It shouldn't, and it doesn't. And when we look at it from that lens with regard to the First Amendment, we should look at it as Clarence Thomas wrote and as Scalia wrote in the Heller decision before him through that same lens when it applies to the Second Amendment. A constitutional right is a constitutional right, and it doesn't change via the means and methods of delivery. When the New York Times editorializes that it should, they best be careful. When CNN editorializes that it should, CNN best be careful. Because we can just as quickly turn around on their First Amendment rights that they wrap themselves up in every time they get sued for either defamation or you know, uh, or, 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 or publication of false facts or uh, releasing uh, and publicizing uh, contraband, illegal, illegally obtained uh, national security intelligence. Whenever they get in trouble for that, they wrap themselves in the First Amendment. By the way, they're wrapping themselves in the First Amendment while they are employees of institutions that were discovered long after the First Amendment and invented long after the First Amendment was passed that you could just as easily say the founders never would have envisioned. No, the First Amendment only applies to things like the Federalist Papers and leafleting. No one believes that. No one buys that. And no one thinks about it with regard to megachurches either, though those didn't exist when it comes to the religious protections of the First Amendment. So it shouldn't apply to the Second or the Fourth or the Fifth or any of our constitutional rights. Time does not change and reduce, vitiate and attenuate the Constitution, unless you're a progressive and time is all you care about.
We'll talk about that too. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Portions are brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. Midas Gold Group has intel that you will want. They have in their crosshairs a major concern about economic flattening, a flattening of historic proportions that will commence this year. Time is of the, uh, is of the essence to protect your investments, so give them a call to find out what they've analyzed and put together for you. Call the Midas Gold Group at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. MidasGoldGroup.com. I own gold and silver from them, and you can too. One more word on the Supreme Court today, and then I want to move over to the media for a moment. Um, Last thing I want to say, Keith Olbermann, many of you remember him from MSNBC. Many many of you remember him from uh, his career in sports journalism. He has a tremendous following on Twitter, by the way. He has almost a million Twitter followers. That's huge. Now, I don't suspect that uh, all of them agree with him. I would assume the majority do. So let's just assume he has hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter. He tweets today that it's now necessary to dissolve the Supreme Court. This is your American left, folks. This is your American left. And then after suggesting that, he tweets the following. He tweets exactly this, almost exactly this. Also, F. Alito, Thomas, Roberts, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and the paralegal Coney Barrett. Except he doesn't use the letter F. Also, you know what? Alito, Thomas, Roberts, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and the paralegal Coney Barrett. Why paralegal? Why, why is she a paralegal? She graduated number one in her class from Notre Dame Law School, one of the top law schools in the country, and was a professor at Notre Dame and, of course, a judge on one of the most important circuits, maybe the second most, second or third debate, depends whether you consider the seventh or the ninth more important, but one of the most important circuits in the federal court system. Ines Stepman is right. My first instinct with charges of sexism is to scoff, but it's hard to read this any other way. The paralegal Coney Barrett, that's what she's suited for. That's your American left today. Marry that to what Ibram Kendi said, which was that she was, she was, um, she was not only engaging in cultural uh, appropriation or cultural misappropriation, she was engaging in cultural genocide by adopting two black Haitian children. Think about that's your American left today. These are the people, Kendi particularly, that corporations and other governmental bodies are bringing in to give speeches on racism. This is the same author of the book these institutions and governmental agencies are circulating for people to read to understand racism. Someone who said Amy Coney Barrett is, Amy Coney Barrett is engaging in cultural genocide by adopting children from other countries. Add that to Keith Olbermann today calling her a paralegal and saying F them. Speaking of this kind of language, let's talk about the media just for a moment. I don't know how many emails I got today. A lot is the answer. (laughs) A lot is the answer. Um, That um, of concern as to why Fox News, the Fox News channel, was 
airing live so much of the hearings today on Jan- the January 6th hearings. It, it, they weren't particularly enlightening, I have to tell you. I was watching him because I am waiting for the thing that we keep being promised will come. Adam Schiff keeps promising that we're going to have new information tying Donald Trump to the January 6th riots. And we're still not there. We still don't have it. Now, what you saw today, if you tuned into the hearings and what the media is going to make a meal of is a lot of the inner workings at the top echelons of the Trump White House with his attorneys, with members of the DOD and the Department of Justice talking about how the election was rigged and how it was fraudulent and various things they might or might not be able to do to uh, investigate, stop, readjust, whatever, any number of things they could do to change the outcome after the election in November of 2020. Fine. Okay. Well, fine. Okay. Depending on where you stand on that. It still has nothing to do with what we're told the January 6th hearings are about, which are about January 6th, which are about the riots, which are about tying Donald Trump to the riots. You can make him look all, you can make him look as bad as you want on every other thing, but you still have not shown me where March peaceably and patriotically led to violence and the riots. They are not going to make this connection. They would have done it by now. They would have done it in the impeachment. They would have done it in the first round of January 6th hearings last year. And they certainly would have done it over the last two weeks, you would think. They're not going to do it. This is just a mission to embarrass him and members of his administration who agreed with him. But understand, they're not tying the knot they said they would tie. And they can't, and they won't. This is a kangaroo court. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Whoop. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. If you're looking for a remarkable investment opportunity, check out my friends at Y-Refi. They are my friends. I've spent a lot of time with them. They're offering a great thing. It's a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi, it's a due diligence-approved firm. Check them out yourself at investyrefi.com. They're in the business of helping people dig out a debt and doing it the right way by actually paying off their debts and their customers seeing a lot of benefits beyond that as well, including such things as FICO score recovery. Visit them at investyrefi.com or give them a call at 855-316-3087. That's 855-316-3087. I want to talk more about the media in a moment, but as we get there, let's stay on Olbermann just a second. Rob is in surprise. Hello, Rob. Oh, hi, Seth. Thanks for taking my call. Happy Thursday. You bet. Um, I I had read uh, Keith Olbermann's uh, um, diatribe, and I've read a lot of these other lefty diatribes. Um, they have really no counter-policy discussions with which to uh, make. They just are into the name-calling and as a result, nothing nothing is affirmed, nothing is accomplished. And I, I don't know if that's, you know, again, that's fine if you're maybe 14 or 15 years old, but at some point there's got to be some grown-ups out there that listen to people like that and think, you know, he's really not saying anything except name-calling. 
And that's all it's really been. With 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 name calling with tinges of implied anarchy and violence, to be honest with you, the way they're talking yeah, about these things. If you look at how they talk about extremists out of control, you know, the, the superlatives they use, um, you know, this is what's so ironic. While January 6th is going on, Nancy Pelosi is sending out fundraisers threatening to do everything in her physical power to stop the barbarians from taking office again. I mean, what do you do with language like that? What do you do with the language of Keith Olbermann? What do you do with the language of Nina Totenberg and CNN when they're with these veiled calls to, to, to extremism leading to possible violence while they're holding January 6th hearings where we're supposed to think marching peacefully and patriotically encouraged violence? Well, that's right. And, and I don't know the answer. I mean, other than calling them all out. Yeah. That they're li- they're lying, they're misleading, and they they have absolutely nothing to offer uh, as a counter argument to whatever it is that they're uh, uh, countering. Um, there's there's no stability. There's no discussion. I was I think it was Charlie Kirk who was at some college campus and he was taking some some guy who said kind of the same thing is like he was a math and science physics major and he he said f you to charlie kirk and i'm thinking this is how arrogant they are this is the kind of person that you you can't get through to because their arrogance just blinds them to being open-minded enough to to speak the truth or to seek the truth yeah you know you know when i was in college in the 80s um you know, colleges were liberal left. Uh, today, they're just left left. They were liberal left then. And so when we had an unpopular speaker, unpopular because conservative, come to the campuses, uh, I remember one particular one was uh, Al Haig, former secretary of state. When he came, you know, there would be uh, some protesters peacefully protesting with signs. And then in the auditorium, uh, he would take some Pretty tough and rough questions. A lot of them from profe- from, from profe- excuse me. A lot of them from professors who were liberal, um, and that's and that's how it went. I don't even remember him having security. To be honest with you, I don't think that maybe campus security was around, but they were, they certainly weren't visible. He didn't have his own security retinue. Uh, there was no campus security uh, requirement for the group that was bringing him in. Uh, it was none of that. It was uh, it was, uh, you know, some a priori outside protesters because they disagreed with his policies during the Reagan administration or whatever. And then tough questioning during Q&A today, Charlie Kirk or uh, anyone from the Trump administration goes on a college campus. They're taking their lives in their own hands. They are taking their lives in their own hands. They're brave to do it and they should continue to do it, obviously. Because, you know, it's just that important and, you know, it's 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 the security is now pretty good around these things. But it's usually the precondition. It's usually the um, the uh, the full argument for keeping them from coming from the administration. Well, we can't guarantee their safety. You what? You can't guarantee a speaker's safety. You can't guarantee a public intellectual safety on your college campus. Then shut down. Then shut down. If you can cancel a, a, a public intellectual from coming to speak on your campus and you use security as the pretext, I want you to take a step back, board of trustees of these colleges. Take a step back. You're telling me you cannot guarantee the safety of a prominent 
visiting intellectual speaker on a college campus? What is this, Thunderdome? Is it the World Wrestling Federation? This is what's become of higher education, and it's sadly also what's become of elementary and secondary education. Look what happens when parents show up at school board meetings to challenge or change or discuss and debate the curricula. Violence is fast becoming the first resort to the left. That's brown shirt ethics. And they're holding these hearings on January 6th. I have no idea why Fox is falling for this nonsense. They're holding hearings on January 6th that cannot and will not be able to show any connection between what Donald Trump said or did that caused the riot. They, they, they would have shown it by now. Meantime, meantime, this is just fine and dandy. You cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, what, what you care about. That's why I believe if we are fortunate enough to win back the House and or the Senate, that's when civility can start again. Understand that? That is everything. You cannot be civil with the other side. And until we are in power, then we can have civility. That is the whole ball game right there. That is Hillary Clinton. That is the person who is giving lectures around the country right now with her husband saying our democracy is in danger. That's what they're saying. Our democracy is in danger. And she here is telling you her view of how to make democracy safe. Incivility until we're in power and then civility. That's how it works for her. She's not alone. That's Eric Holder, former AG. When they go low, we kick them. That's your attorney general. That's what this new Democratic Party is about. Yeah, it is. They're just telling you the truth. They are telling you the truth. This is what they do. Now, they tell you the truth, and the media loves it, and the left loves it. And so while we have our jaws on the floor that they can do January 6th while they're saying this with impunity, they don't care that we have our jaws on the floor. They don't care. It's the will to power. It's a very, very, very dangerous concept. Someday when we have more time, Bill, remind me to tell you about this song and a trivia question you once asked me about music. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Balance of Nature. Balanceofnature.com is their website. Their fruits and veggies are what I take every single day. Pure, potent plant power, 100%, including the capsules themselves, which you can easily open and sprinkle into food and drink if you don't like swallowing them. They're normal-sized capsules. I just know some people don't like swallowing them. They have a workaround, and it's part of the design. It's the best product I've ever taken to boost your energy, to boost your health, to boost your immunity. Balance of nature's fruits and veggies. You take them once a day, you're good to go. Check them out and make sure to use discount code BALANCE. I have a friend uh, in uh, the Awatuki area who was texting with me uh, while I was talking about Olbermann, Keith Olbermann's uh, rant. And he was talking about this increasing – his increasing um, observ- – uh, his observation of the increasing number of uh, left-wingers and Democrats who seem to be calling for either explicitly or implicitly – explicitly in Oberman's case, 
nullification, the nullification of laws they don't like calling for us not to obey. This is you're getting this from the New York City mayor right now as well. The mayor of New York City right now talking about not complying with the Supreme Court decisions. I bet you're going to get a, you know, just a huge tut of it once the Dobbs decision is announced. Uh, You're going to get a lot of these calls. Understand, please, where that doctrine comes from. It comes from everything I monologued about on Juneteenth, on Monday. Go back and listen to my monologue on Juneteenth if you want to on Monday, if you have time. goes to everything the Democratic Party got us into trouble for, including our hottest of civil wars in this country and every civil rights battle afterwards. Nullification is a Democratic Party doctrine. You see it with sanctuary cities. You see it with drug legalization. It basically says if we don't like what the law is, we aren't going to enforce it and we aren't going to obey it. There's a word for that, and it's not Republican. It's not Democratic. It's not constitutionalism. The word is anarchy. The word is anarchy. And you'd think that the party that is suggesting that might take note that they're not going to be in power forever. Anyone remember their man for all seasons when uh, William William Roper is justifying breaking laws he doesn't like and Sir Thomas More says, oh, and when the last law was down and the devil turns around on you, where are you going to hide, Roper? The law's all being flat. Countries planted thick with laws from coast to coast. And if you cut them down and you're just the man to do it, do you really think you could stand upright in the winds that would blow then? Yes. I support the laws I don't like for my own safety's sake. We could use a little of that thought more right now. I'm Seth Leapson. Don't go away. A lot more coming right up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 